Hello, SJHL fans. Jacob Faith joined by Jamie Nugsy Nugabauer. We are headed back to Regina, headed back home after an insane Game 6. And we have Game 7 on our hands. Nugsy, what a night that was. What a game that was. And how excited are you for Game 7 in a couple days? You know what? I think every broadcaster dreams of being part of broadcasts of Game 7 of a league championship. I had uh, one experience of doing that so far in my career, and it was just awesome. was there at the rink so early, and uh, the place was just bumping, uh, at least by Ontario Junior Hockey League standards. <laughs> and so I expect this, uh, Jacob, to be obviously another level off the hook. I think it's going to be ratcheted up. They, the, the, the classic Spinal Tap expression, Jacob, is that it's going to be up to 11. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think I think the Estevan uh, Game 7 is going to be ratcheted up to 400. <laughs> yeah. uh, because, you know, they one of the things that I found interesting in this series is the back and forth between Estevan and Flin Flon fans mm -hmm. in terms of wanting to be considered some of the best fans in the league, right? Right. And I don't know how you see it, but I, I, I think it's... It's relatively even because, you know, the rink in Flint Flon is so conducive to creating that just electric atmosphere, lower roof, bit of a smaller capacity. But, you know, Jacob, you were able in, a, in, a, in game five, especially down by the ice surface and, uh, you know, in a, maybe in a, in, a, in a perspective, we'll say that is easier to hear how loud it could be in Affinity Place. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe compared to where Rory and I were on the broadcast, but uh, I guess what were your perspectives on maybe comparing what you what you felt from the fan bases in that regard? Yeah, for sure. Um, you, like you said, I, I was down on the ice level for Game 5 in Estevan, and Affinity Place obviously was packed, but you just can't... You, you can blame the architects, I suppose, of the, of the new stadium out there in Estevan. Um, that rink in Flimflon, just the way it's built with the low roof and they, they cram as many fans in there as possible. Obviously, there's going to be more fans numbers-wise in Affinity Place than Flimflon, but it's just a, it's a completely different animal, obviously, at the, at the Whitney. And um, I, think, uh, I think the Estevan Bruins can, can confirm that with, uh, you know, the way that these games have gone in, in games three, four, and now here in game six the fans behind the Estevan bench I did a little piece uh, during the third period they call it Dynamite Alley uh, that's where they keep yeah, the craziest fans their loudest noisemakers the horns the drums and Dynamite Alley just happens to be located right behind the Estevan Bruins bench so that <laughs> that makes life real difficult for coach Tatarnik and and the Estevan Bruins players and and I mean, when when you're when I'm sitting down there trying to get an interview with those guys, you can tell like, man, this 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 area of the arena itself is just way too loud. Like I can't even hear myself think. But like I said, Affinity Place Game Five was electric. It was buzzing. But obviously, it's a new rink. Obviously, it's bigger with the higher ceilings. The sound has a lot more area to to go and to hide and. Um, but you know what? The noisemakers. It's Game Seven. The noisemakers. The fans. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be on full display. And if. Uh, and if these fans are trying to one up each other, um, Estevan has the last laugh by being the by being the home team and having Game Seven at home. What do you think? Yeah, and this is why, 
Jason Tatarnik, and I spoke to him down the stretch in the regular season, was so determined and dogged to get that first spot because, you know, maybe he has his eye on, you know, facing a, facing a Humboldt in the play in the in the finals if they get there and you know he Jason Tatarnik always said that you know he had a mind on you know one day at a time one game at a time one month at a time and you know that's fair and that's what you need to do to a large degree but uh, I think you look forward to you know what could could be down the road you, you if you don't plan you, you know you don't you, you plan to fail is what they say so uh, the Estevan Bruins, you know, they played their best lineups as much as they could. They put below us in there a ton as well. Not as much as Humble put in Ramsey, obviously, but uh, you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't like uh, the Cam Hurdlicka show down the stretch for Estevan. He got some spots, but um, this is why they did it. You know, right. to beat out to beat out Humble for that number one seat, so that this game seven is in Humble in Estevan, I should say. So, but let's go back to last night, game six. The Flin Flon Bombers win their second straight game convincingly, we'll say, at at the Whitney Forum. And you know what, Jacob? I think, you know, Mike Reagan couldn't have asked his team to play a better game in Game 6. You're right. Um, the way I kind of saw the game play out, I thought the first period was, um, especially the first 10 minutes, was a little bit of a, a feeling out of sorts, a little bit of a chess match. Um, and then the, the later part of that first period, we, the game started to open up with breakaways um, back and forth. But those goalies were terrific. Boston Belows was unbelievable in that first period. Cal Shell, obviously, as well. Um, and then uh, and then Flin Flon gets that early one uh, to, to start the second. And um, they were just waiting to blow the roof off that place. And yeah. then early in the second, they get that goal. And man did that rink just explode and you know what I I was thinking in my head I, I don't know if I said this to you or not but if Flin Flon gets that first goal because we saw what happened in game four right Flin Flon gets that first goal you know what that those fans are going to be all about there and they did get that first goal early in the second like I said the roof blew off the place and then it was kind of you know no looking back from there there was uh there was some penalty problems for the Esteban Bruins in the second that uh the, the Bombers weren't able to capitalize until the end of the period, but they went into uh, the, the second intermission with a 3 nothing lead, and then um, they kept their foot on the gas in the third, and they, they leave Game 6 at home with a, with a 6-1 win. Um, obviously, you you were doing color. You you were calling the game, so you, you were paying attention a little better than I was. What was what was your takeaways from the game? Well, so you, I liked how you, you started that. Like, there was some nervous energy going on between the two teams, I felt like. On one hand, the Estevan Bruins knew that the cup was in the rink. And I think that gave them a little, oh, hey, you know, where is it? You know, looking around. Not that they were looking around for the cup, but just, you know, trying to, uh, you know, play their game despite maybe thinking that if they do win, then, then they could take that cup and that, that adds another element. And for the Flin Flon Bombers, the nervousness of, you know, if we don't win, then it's, you know, then the SJHL season's over for them. Right. It was kind of, you know, it was interesting. It's an interesting kind of dynamic because, of course, if you don't know if this is your first time tuning in, both teams have already qualified for the national championship, so it's not go home if you lose, but uh, both these teams that we talked about 
the last podcast have really demonstrated that they badly, badly want to win this championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I kept call, you know going down to the calling down to the truck to Rusty and saying, "Hey, Rusty, you know I'd like to shot at the crowd here in the first period because I felt there was a nervous energy around. Yep. It wasn't. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It was. There was a good vibe. It was. It was uh, ener- emotional in the rink. I want to say, but it wasn't electric in the first period. Just because of that uh, of that nervous energy, and you hit the nail on the head, uh, Jacob, when Drew Kuzma, you know, banged in uh, th- that puck back door, uh, you know, uh, it, it, that really changed the game. And uh, you know, one thing that this Flin Flon Bombers team has been so good at this year and almost every year, and you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. Is uh, you know, they they harness the emotion of playing in that rink so well they make it feel like you're the other team is trying to tread up uphill in mud uh and you know it's happened to teams that i've worked for over and over again and i'm sure if anybody out there's listening working for another team they've had the same experience why do you think that is why why do you think once when you know one one or two goals go in then it almost feels like it's a mountain all of a sudden that's that's a good question. I think I think when you're playing in a rink like that, it's a lot easier to ride the momentum. Um, you know, just just the way that rink is set up and the way those fans are just absolute savages up there. <laughs> yeah, and and, and I mean that with all due respect yeah. to Flim Flom fans. You guys know that you're savages. I, I spoke <laughs> to many of you at the game yesterday, um, and and we love it. But uh, but I think um, you know it's it's easier to. Um, you know, kind of grab that energy if you're a team because you can, you can feel that energy in the air. And I, and I'm not saying that you know in in Estevan it's not the same, but it's it's I think equal parts you know difficult for the away team to overcome that as much as it is the home team can ride that wave just that much more you know and you know what they like I said they got that first goal and and they were able to ride that wave and there was no looking back but um you know what it's it's obviously um they they like being at home how could you not love playing at home if you're the Flint Flom Bombers um you know you you force these uh these S-Fan Bruins from the south to come all the way up north here as we're we're staring down the highway here. We're looking at nothing but forest, pretty pretty well opposite of uh, the the Estevan um, the, down south in Sask. But the, these guys are able to harness the energy of the crowd, and um, it's 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 really fascinating to see. Really, it is fascinating, and you know I think where this Flin Flon team would be without that uh, Mercier and Kuzma and Smith line, because <clears throat> they have. You know, put in a ton of pucks, and one of the questions I had coming into the finals really was: was there an, enough goals on this Flin Flon team to fight the Estevan Bruins? Because we all knew and all thought that it doesn't matter what patch of ice you find a patch of ice in the wilds of northern Manitoba, or you find beautiful Affinity Place. There's enough firepower on that Estevan Bruins team to score lots of goals. But did the Flin Flon Bombers have enough guns? They only scored ten goals in uh, the, the series win over Humboldt. Uh, and they've far exceeded that already in this one. Yeah. Uh, but that, that line, Jacob, is just so critical. What, what do they do well to you? Um, it's, it's not only, <clears throat> you know, generating offense, but, um, man, they, they get out to the point and they block shots. They block those guys. That line in particular, I feel like that line probably <laughs> had 
you know, that line alone, probably 10 block shots last night at least. Um, it was it was at the end of the first period, um, I believe uh, the Estevan Bruins were on a power play and Captain Zach Smith wore like three shots yeah. in a row, right, right to the, you know, right to the ankles or right to the feet and he was just getting in front of shots and um, I, uh, I interviewed Jacob Bockler at the end of the first period and I asked him, I was like, you, you, you see your leader doing that, how much does that, you know, carry, you know, how does that, how does that carry weight into the dressing room? Like that's, I feel, I felt like that was just as big as a goal at the end of the period. Seeing your captain, your leader, you know, get down on a knee and block three shots in, in, you know, the same penalty kill was unbelievable to watch. And you know what, maybe that, maybe I was right in that assumption as they came out and scored right away in, in early in the first, but you know what, they, they're a high energy line, obviously Kuzma's a moose, he's huge, um, and he gets in front of the net, but I, I love, I love the way they play in the defensive zone too, with blocking shots and, and getting their sticks in the lane, and they're, they're just tough to play against, um, but you know what, like you said, Esteban has, has the offensive firepower, and, um, some to to some of our surprise the the flimflon bombers have been able to you know maybe throw a blanket on that at times shutting down that uh, that top line at times um and they've been able to match the energy and and you know ride the wave and generate some offense for themselves and so one guy that i was extremely interested to watch very closely and um got an opportunity in the first round obviously to do that is Eric Peterson. I think, you know, if there's, if Estevan is to win game seven, uh, then Eric Pierce, I think, has a very good candidacy for playoff MVP. Absolutely. And uh, I'd love to, we'll get into that maybe in the next podcast when we preview game seven. Right. But uh, I think the thing that I was really intrigued about Eric Pierce, maybe even versus the other Western League and QMJHL experienced and you know, the D1 commit and, and Galen Fitzpatrick on this Estevan team and all the, the star power that they have is, uh, he has a big chunk of their playoff experience coming into this playoffs. Like, there's, you'd look at a guy like, you know, Eric Hauk, you know, incredible, you know, talent, great career with the Swift Current Broncos, but, you know, this means a lot to him because he hasn't played in the playoffs. The Broncos had some rough times when Hauk was there. You know, you look at Mark Rumsey, you know, he played for, uh, you know, Cape Breton and Moncton when it was kind of leaner years maybe out there in Quebec. You know, you go down the list, Boston, you know, below us had that run with the Prince Albert Raiders, but he was behind Ian Scott, who's now in the Leafs system in net there. So you kind of go down the list. These are a very experienced Estevan Bruins team, but, you know, the playoffs are a different animal. Eric Pierce played a role played a lot of games in that Memorial Cup run for Prince Albert a couple of years ago and I thought you know that kind of an experience plus you know he's played 235 Western Hockey League games and he's big and strong and he's extremely smart and he's got a bomb of a shot but really he just is in the right spots more than anything when he is filling the net but that all being said you look at the type of player that Eric Pierce was in the Western Hockey League it doesn't always translate because, you know, just because they say, because, oh, he was in the major junior level doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a scoring star at this level, uh, but he has been. So, you know, what impresses you the most about Eric Pierce? Eric Pierce, like you said, he has been scoring, but what I, what I love about him is I think he's, 
You know what? I guess it's arguable during this series, but you know, coming into this series, I thought he was the best face-off guy in the league. Um, every every game I watched, I don't think I saw him lose a face-off all year. Um, and and he's great in the and in his defensive zone. He's great on the penalty kill, and you know, he's he's a big body guy that knows where to be as well. And obviously, he can shoot the puck. He's a very well-rounded player. Um, like you said, he he has a very good chance to be. The playoff MVP. He would probably have my vote for Esteban. He's been terrific for him, um, but he's got a very well-rounded game. There's really that I know, that I can see. Um, maybe you're you're a better you know evaluator of talent than I am. But from from what I've seen, I don't really think that there's all that many holes in his game when it comes to um, you know the defensive zone, his work in the face-off circle, and obviously he's been filling the net. I think. Uh, I think Rory mentioned on the broadcast last night he had an 11-game point streak coming into tonight or into last night. Um, he which, he uh, he had points in all but one game in the postseason. That speaks for yeah. itself, right there. And with and and you add add the defensive work and his penalty kill work, um, and obviously the leadership that he brings to the team off the ice. You know he's a uh, he's a very valuable piece to the S Van Bruins, and and he's lived up to the hype and he's been awesome for for the Bruins and um yeah it's it's not just filling the net with goals it's you know his his work in the diesel yeah he's got guts to spare absolutely and the University of Regina is a pro is a project that's been a work in progress a little while here for Todd Johnson and getting a guy like Eric Pierce and Eric Houck as well the captain of this Estevan team let's not forget committed and in the door local boys of course is a nice piece but that's moving forward you know the game six uh you know it it, it looked six one on the scoreboard but uh you know it really didn't feel like six one a six one game most of it um but you know i think about the key moment maybe being uh you know that cole dubero goal to make it four one after the the bruins had made it three one early in the third and again it that just changes everything and it's kind of a little bit of redemption for cole dupero because you think about game five cole dupero with that empty net that could have maybe sealed it with boston bullets facing you know the backboards mm-hmm. and then now dupero who hadn't scored in the postseason at all uh, the former Sask U18 scoring champion for Beardies, and he, you know, goes to the blue paint, bangs one in when all the momentum was with Estevan. Do, do you see it the same way? Do you feel like that's when the wheels fell off, or did you feel like Estevan still kind of had a chance after that? I think, you know what, to, to be honest, I think it was that uh, that power play goal at the end of the second. Um, if if you, you get a goal going into the dressing room, um, huh. it's, uh, it's, it's tough to overcome. So, um, the, the Bombers made it 3-0 with about 30 seconds left in the second period on the power play. Mercier, I believe. Mercier, I think, yeah. Um, and you know what? Like, that's kind of when, you know, the, the body language. And I, I could tell that the Bruins were getting frustrated throughout that second period with, you know, the way that the penalties were, well, I guess the penalties they were taking um, and, and the calls that they were receiving. But then they did a great job killing those penalties off until you know the end of the second and then um you know it's uh it's skate skate off the ice and and don't take the inner interview from jacob faith at the end of the second period (laughs) time for 
for tarts and uh, it was it was Nolan Jones not calling him out I don't, I don't care um, and, and the rest <laughs> of the Estevan Bruins that's all right um, but I think I think that's when you know it's it's a three goal lead and it's right before a uh, right right before a break but you know what I guess the Bruins did score one early in the third coming yeah. out I suppose yeah and that's why I think the fourth one was the yeah. was the killer but I mean it's a great point I think a two nothing game going to that third that second intermission, you know, Jason Tatarnik's message can kind of stay the same in that you just, you know, let's stay the course, let's play our game, we'll get one just like we did in game five with Eric Pierce scoring that beautiful end-to-end goal um, that we've talked about and make a game of it and stay the course. Now instead you're down three and that changes your mentality, you know, just a little bit. And we saw Jason Tatarnik pull his goalie know pretty pretty early uh, I guess it was I guess it was 5-1 at the time when he did pull the goalie and I've seen that kind of aggressiveness from from Tarts and what the difference if you're Jason Tatarnik anyways losing 6-1 to one as opposed to you know coming back maybe and you know I saw that when uh, Estevan played Notre Dame earlier this year and Wilcox, you know, the Bruins were down 8-3 going into the third period, a five-goal lead, and in no way did that lead feel safe, and Tarnik, you know, pulled his goalie with 16 minutes left in that game, and a power play, and they scored on it, so, you know, you get the ball rolling downhill against this Estevan team as well, talk about the momentum that the Whitney form brings the Bombers, the Bruins can bring their own momentum with the talent that they have, you know, just, you know, Pierce, Pierce gets going and then all of a sudden Pouliot gets going and all of a sudden Mark Rumsey has a little bit of space and all of a sudden Katerunke pops up in the middle of the ice and he unleashes a, a furious bullet. So, you know, there's there's all sorts of ways that that game I don't think was over. But to your point, you know, the body language and the, the frustration I think was there for, uh, for Estevan. But, you know, that all being said, uh, Jacob, they have Game Seven. I want to talk about your favorite topic, that you know you're always an absolute bang on to, to constantly bring up, and I appreciate this about you. One of the many things Uh-oh. is that you're always bringing up the, the tendies. Oh yeah. And you know what? The scoreline doesn't look great for for Boston below us, uh, but hard to blame him. I think he's been outstanding. Yeah. He's had to be at, the, at times, uh, and Cal Shell has just been remarkable did you know the fact that the bombers put a couple numbers on Estevan in Whitney especially has that changed your perspective on below us at all or not um no I no I don't think so I think I think we know who Boston below us is and I think we know the kind of goalie that's going to show up for the Estevan Bruins he's He's been terrific. Whether whether his goals against average might say otherwise, you know what I mean. Um, but obviously, this has been um, a series of the goaltenders. You look at that first period yesterday. Man, did Belowis make some saves, and Shell obviously made a ton of saves all game. But that first period from Belowis, I think that was I think that was the best I saw Belowis was in that first period yesterday. I don't know if he would agree or not, but he is he's very mentally prepared he's very dialed um and you know what like you know what that six that six banger doesn't look good on the on the score sheet but i have i have the utmost belief and the utmost faith in below us in a game seven um and and we we haven't even mentioned cal shell i think if we were talking about uh you know if if estevan were to get that win um i think uh 
maybe uh, Pierce would be MVP. I think it's an absolute no-brainer that um, Cal Shell has been the best player for the Flint Flop Bombers, in my opinion. Um, not, not only last night, but this whole series, he's been absolutely fantastic. You know what, I guess even, even going back to that Humboldt series, he was terrific, and, and, in, and with, against Battlefords in that first round, he's been so good. Um, I have the utmost faith in both these goalies. Um, you saw it in, in Game 5, it took you know, a million people in front of the net to tie that game up, and it took a crazy bounce off Pouliot's stick to go into the back of the net. Those are the types of goals that are going to win you a Game 7 because these goalies are, are so well prepared. I, I, I have the utmost faith and belief in, in Belois and in Shell going into a Game 7. Yeah, and, and the big thing about both of them, and there are differences in their styles, and we've, I've talked about that on the broadcast, and, and it's a great uh, feeling when Jordan Fry agrees with you something about, uh, with, about goaltending, as you too, Jacob, being a, a goaltender yourself. Uh, you know, but... The thing that makes them very much the same is that they're the same guy every single day. Every time you see them, their level of consistency, their level of focus, you know, doesn't change. You know, if you, in my opinion, and I, again, I, maybe everybody's different, but I, you know, Cal Shell sits in his same spot, Whitney Forum, you know, focus at the same time, does his routine at the same time. You know, and he gets repeatable results as a result. So it's yeah. not a surprise. He's really learned how to prepare. He's figured himself out. But he also, you know, walked by me along on, on a staircase. You know, he was going back down to the locker room after doing his sit, watching the ice with his music in his ears. Uh, and he gave me a little smile. And, you know, obviously we know each other a little bit from, from you know, from mutual connections back in Ontario. But, um you know that that speaks to me as a guy who's not. Uh, it wasn't a nervous smile, Jacob. It was a, it was a friendly. It was a it was a yeah, like everything's fine. Like I'm fine. Sure. You know, kind of smile. So, Jake, you know, Cal has blown me away in Boston. Below us again, blow me away. Never never see him hollering. Never see him have bad body language. Never see him give up on a play or on a game. Boston below us, and uh, I think he's been very very well handled by Jason Tatarnik. He's got good rest this year too. And Cam Herdlick has been phenomenal. It was phenomenal in the regular season. Would not be surprised if Cam Herdlick gets a Centennial Cup starter too as well. But, uh, you know, that's a podcast for another time. But <laughs> definitely pretty interesting. All right. Well, final uh, final thoughts here, Jacob, if that's cool with you. You bet. Uh, is that, uh, you know, the Estevan Bruins driving back down to Estevan have uh you know have a lot to think about i guess what are the bruins thinking about right now do you think and what are the bombers thinking about right now uh man that's that's a good question i think uh i, I think the bruins are i i think the bruins are confident going into a game seven i think they know you know the talent that they have that that score sheet says six one but that was you know it got a little bit away from them in the third period right um so i i think I think the Bruins are sitting on the bus and they know who they are and they know the type of team that they are and they know the game they can play and they know that they're going back home and they know that, you know, the home team has won every game in this series. That's got to, you know, feel feel pretty good for them. Um, I, I don't think that there's any reason to be necessarily discouraged or, you know, have any doubt if you're, if you're the Estevan Bruins. But the Bombers, they have momentum, so they're, they're, they got smiles on their face heading down to Estevan. So it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, it's Game 7, throw everything out, blah, 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 you know, all those cliché sayings. But it's going to be interesting to see 
you know the the attitudes of these of these two teams because you know what it's if if the bombers want to feel like they are you know they're coming in with momentum they just got a 6-1 win they can go ahead and do that but they saw what happened in game five after you know that 7-1 win they got off to a hot start and then got outplayed for the second and third period and in overtime so it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see game seven Nuzi. um i think we'll do a little bit of a game seven preview as we're hitting the road down to estevan on friday morning we can do that um that's a podcast for another time but um i, I guess you you're on the bus and you you know hockey players maybe a little better than i do with your time with the notre dame hounds what do you think these guys are thinking and feeling on the bus right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was a frustrating night in a couple of respects last night for the Estevan Bruins, and so I think you know they're they're such a uh, Jason Tatarnik and his team have exhibited such a level of professionalism this year that I trust that they'll handle that frustration you know in the right way. Spend a night being pissed off, but when the sun comes up. You know, you're back at it, and as I said, they have that home ice. So, you know, I think I think they're gonna. It's a new day. They're gonna see it as a new day and not be too discouraged, as you mentioned, not too worried, and you know, know that again, they've hardly lost at Affinity Place at all this year. Uh, five times in the regular season and once in the postseason, and that's you know it at Affinity Place. I think 36 games or something like that. So And who was it that wild. beat them in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, some team, you know, some team. But <laughs> it was uh, you know, uh, a pretty fun uh, fun I tried one. Tried to lay that uh, one up. It was for a you. fun one. You know what, folks? I uh I I'm very proud of Sam Croon and the Notre Dame Hounds boys for the way they played in a couple of the games <laughs> in that first round series and uh yeah. You know, there you go. So Notre Dame was the only team to beat them in uh, in Affinity Place uh, this uh, postseason. <laughs> So there you go. Appreciate that, Jacob. Flynn Flynn, hey, you know what? You you got you, the pressure. I still think will be on Estevan in their rink. The pressure game for for the Bombers was this game six. They had to win this in front of their home fans. Last game at Affinity at Whitney this whole year, and uh, you know give the fans a lot to cheer about. Then they go down there, and I don't think a lot of people are going to pick them uh, in Affinity in game seven. So. You know, you use the momentum as best you can, just like the Bruins, I said before Game 6, had to, you know, make the game a little bit calmer, a little bit more road and gritty and, and manage the emotions. And they, for the first period, did that. For the rest of the game, they didn't, and it got out of hand. But kind of the reverse for Flynn Flon, the more ground and pound and dirty and gritty and grimy and ugly Game 7 is, you know, the better for Flynn Flon. So we'll, right. we'll preview Game 7. The Flynn Flon Bombers probably feel great after yesterday. You know, I was joking a little bit with Mike Reagan over over text this morning, saying that uh, you know driving back south from the snowstorm up north here uh, is kind of like booking a ticket to Florida because <laughs> it's apparently it's been nice down in the south. So yeah. looking forward to getting home and and then getting to Estevan and you know Jacob, it's gonna be a blast, buddy. It sure is. Can't wait. We got uh, we got another you know probably seven or so hours of staring at this highway heading back home. So we'll have some more discussions and uh, yeah, on the way out to Estevan, we'll do a little bit of a game seven preview. But you know what? This is uh, this is what this is all we could have hoped for. You know what? Yeah. We've come this way. We might as well go seven. It's yeah. gonna be awesome. Yeah, this series deserved a game seven. All right, folks. We'll see you on Friday. This has been the SJ at Noon podcast with Jacob Faith and me, myself, Jamie Dugabauer. Have a good one.